Hey everyone, and welcome to Scrambling with Dylan Otto, a podcast where the listeners can hear, learn, and laugh about my life in the golf world and other numerous topics with guests on the show. Tune in every week for insight and enjoy the show. Hello everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Scrambling with Dylan Otto featuring CSU San Marcos golf coach and LPJ Tour veteran Tiffany Joe. Tiffany, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. I was really excited to kind of get you on here. You know, I met you over at, over at Monterey and just, you know, it's just really cool to kind of see, you know, just your whole journey on LPGA Tour and then now you're coaching and everything. Um, but how have things been lately? How are things with coaching and stuff? It's been so much fun. And I think even coming into the job, because I'm assistant coach for both the men's and the women's team, and yeah. um, I was fully prepared to coach the women's team. I wasn't sure what to expect with the men's team, but oh my goodness, they have been such a blast to hang out with. Um, I think just like the passion and the love of golf they have, it's it's actually really inspiring to me. Awesome. Well, sweet. That's great to hear. Um, you know, it's just, it's great to kind of, I know you, you're pretty new to the job, but it's, I mean, you fit right in with it. Um, you know, it seems to be, you know, a good fit for you and everything. That's great that it's been pretty enjoyable. Um, but I mean, we'll get straight into the first question here and kind of bring it back to where it all began. Um, you know, where are you from and how'd you get into the game of golf? So, um, I'm from San Diego. I mean, I, I was born in Philadelphia, but I mean, my parents moved to San Diego when I was less than a year old. Uh-huh. I still tell people I'm from Philly because I feel like it gives me a little bit of street cred. Yeah. But no, I've pretty grown up in San Diego my whole life. And, um, to be honest, my, no one in my family really plays golf. My parents didn't play a ton of golf. My dad once in a while would go out and play with his friends, but he wasn't really an avid golfer by any stretch, but, uh-huh. um, it's interesting. And, you know, I, I talk a lot, especially nowadays, we talk about the importance of representation. Uh-huh. And in 1998, Sari Pack won the U.S. Women's OG, won it in iconic fashion, um, uh-huh. had to take off her shoes to dip her feet and hit the shot, like right oh, out, wow. off the end of the like 18th hole at Black Wolf Run. It uh-huh. was just like super iconic image. And it was the first time that I had seen an Asian woman was on TV for athletics. I mean, gotcha. up until that point, I think I really lived kind of the stereotypical, you know, played piano, played violin, you know, played, yeah. uh-huh. played the um, and that was the first time that I saw someone that looked like me, like being on TV for something athletic. And so, I mean, it was kind of that, that really planted the seed. Yeah. And my dad is, is and was a professor at San Diego state. And, you know, my parents are always kind of looking, golf is very expensive and they're always kind of a good deal. And they found this program, this free junior golf program called pro kids. And now the umbrella, the first tee, but there was a pro kids section right next to the SDSU campus. And my dad would drop me off in the summers before he went and taught class. But that is pretty much how I started playing. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, you know, it's great to kind of, you know, like you said, you know, you saw on TV and you kind of inspired that way. And yes, golf is very expensive sport to get into. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, the, yeah, the pro kids first tee thing. That's, I mean, that's a, a great way for, you know, people to get into golf like that, especially at such a young age. Cause I mean, especially if you don't have a lot of golf kind of in your family, it's hard to like know what to do. Like, I mean, it, it can be difficult. Yeah. And I think what was really great about the program is it wasn't really just about golf. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, 
they really teach the importance of life skills, like persistence and respect and integrity and all that stuff. And so it it was kind of the perfect environment to not only learn how to play, but also kind of grow as a kid. Um, And it's been really cool to come back full circle because, you know, I grew up in the program. And then while I was on tour, I would still try to come back from time to time. I actually wore the, had the pro kids logo on my staff bag. Oh yeah. Yeah. I started talking to Mitch Stout, director of golf at pro kids and uh, Mondays and Fridays, we actually do like a little short game day with the CSU San Marcos. It's been really cool to come, come kind of full circle with that whole program. Absolutely. Wow. That is so special. And it's cool to, you know, always give back like that. That's great. Especially whenever the program goes out there. And I mean, who knows? I mean, you being out there and the team being out there, I mean, that's all it takes is a little bit of inspiration. Like, I mean, like kind of all of us had, you know, when we were young and stuff. So that's, that's amazing though. Um, For sure. Yeah. Um, you know, where did you go to high school? I will kind of talk about your high school days a little bit, you know, were, were you kind of pretty serious about high school golf or was it kind of still new to, um, you know, kind of competing or what was your high school golf like? So definitely kind of classify, classify myself as a little bit of a late bloomer. Okay. Um, I was pretty good for not having played very long. I mean, I started when I was maybe 12 or 13, I started playing golf and I think I, a lot of the first five or six years, I was almost kind of playing catch up because a lot of the kids I was playing against started when they were six, seven, eight, you know, driving the cart with dad or grandpa. And so yeah, yeah. Uh, it was, <laughs> I, I kind of from the get go felt a little behind the eight ball, but um, it's, I think kind of helped me was that like right from the get go, my parents, I mean, I wasn't even breaking a hundred, but my parents <laughs> signing me Indigo junior golf events. And so by the time I was in high school, relatively okay, but definitely not, you know, full scholarship college. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. I think, I think for the first three or four years, like golf, I just had last in every senior junior <laughs> golf event. Oh, but, well, I mean, it's all part of the process. You, yeah. That's really how you find out that you really love it. You know, if you go there and you're getting dead last in every event and you still keep coming back for more, I mean, it's probably something that you're probably going to end up for the rest of your life. Right, exactly. But I mean, you know, it's just really interesting to kind of hear what those early days on were like, because I mean, there's a lot of players that are, you know, they're also late bloomers too, and they're trying to figure out, you know, where they need to be at. And, um, you know, it's just, it's really interesting to kind of hear, you know, just the high school days a little bit. And I mean, to kind of go on to what you did in the game of golf is, I mean, that's just pretty spectacular. Um, well, I think the, the fun, I think my my best finish in the first two or three years I played senior junior golf was a tournament at Tijuana Country Club, and it was because no one's parents were willing to drive them across the border. Oh and yeah, so I think uh-huh. I ended up making my dad drive me down there, and I got like third out of four girls. Oh, all right, <laughs> so third was, out of four girls. I, there you go. I got a trophy and everything. <laughs> Let's go. That's it. <laughs> Hey, you gotta, you gotta take them where you can get them. And, you know, I mean, that's just kind of how it is, but, um, you know, that's golf though. It's all part of the process, like we said. Um, and it's all part of getting better as well. Um, but yeah, it's certainly interesting to kind of hear, you know, in the junior terms and stuff. Um, did you ever, did you travel a little bit kind of doing junior tournaments? Was it mostly local stuff or, I mean, kind of competitive golf wise, what were you doing outside of high school golf? mostly local mostly you know San Diego junior golf and scpj toyota tour cup stuff uh-huh. um and then there was a 
in, I think I played in an AJGA tournament in Arizona, like anything that was pretty drivable. Gotcha. But kind of around my junior year of high school, I started putting together some really good finishes. I ended up winning a couple AJGA tournaments. And so yeah. um, we ended playing and playing like the polo junior and all that stuff. But yeah, it really wasn't until junior year of high school that I really started putting together some pretty solid results. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. So yeah, that getting some AJJ experience was great. Um, and also just, I mean, if you can travel, it's great, but if you can't, that's totally fine. I mean, co- college coaches are going to find, you know, find you where good golf is. Um, but I mean, you ultimately committed to UCLA and, and you, know, you had a very successful career there. Just kind of talk about the recruiting process a little bit with UCLA, you know, were they kind of reaching out to you? Was that like your dream school? I mean, what kind of schools were you looking, you know, to go play for? You know, like I said, I was a, a relatively late bloomer and um, <laughs> yeah. there weren't a ton of colleges that were exactly knocking the door, but right. um, one of my best friends that I grew up in San Diego with playing junior golf, she was two years older than me and she was actually already playing for UCLA at that point. Gotcha. And I think I was lucky enough that before I even really started playing, she almost kind of planted the seed in Coach Carrie Forsyth's brain. She basically yeah. said... Well, this girl's not very good yet, but you know, she hasn't been playing very long. I think she has a lot of potential and, yeah. and she's, I, I think she'd be a really good. And I think I remember coach Carrie coming down to San Diego and watching me play at CIS. And uh-huh. um, for, for your listeners that are junior golfers that are one of those kids that freak out every time a college coach comes and watches them play. The, and I, I realize this more now when I go out recruiting. At mm-hmm. the end of the day, most of the time, the coach doesn't even know how good or bad you're playing. Gotcha. If they're there to watch you, they've already looked at your stats. They already know how good of a player you are. What they're looking for are more of the intangibles, right? Like yeah. how does the person react to a really bad break? Are they helping their competitors look for their golf balls when they hit it into the trees? You know, how are they mentally, would they be a good fit socially with the team? Yeah. And so I remember, I don't think I broke five the first time coach. Gotcha. Came down All right. Road. Yeah. But, but you know, she still continued to talk to me and answer my emails. And uh, junior year, when I started putting together some really good finishes actually mm-hmm. came out to, I think I was playing an AJJ at mission Hills up in Palm desert. Keep in mind, this was a long time ago, so no one was committing super early. Gotcha. You know, July 1st was the first time my coach could come and talk to you face to face. Uh-huh. And that's uh, right after I, I, I think I ended up winning that tournament, but right afterwards I sat down with her and that's when she offered me a scholarship. And at that point, I mean, UCLA was the, was number one in my mind by far. And so yeah. she offered me a scholarship and on the, on the spot, I said, can I commit right now? And God bless <laughs> She was like, do you want to think about it? Like, you don't have to give me this right now. You can talk to your parents. And I was like, nope, I'm nope. good. You just tell me where to sign. So exactly. It was kind of like the easiest and shortest recruiting process ever. Yeah. I mean, it's, but that's such a huge moment. And it's like, whenever you get, you know, I, I mean, I, sure a lot of people feel that way it's tough to you know take you know deny an offer on the spot like that especially at a school like UCLA um you know that but that's pretty exciting stuff to, considering you know like you said you're a little late bloomer and it's great that they kind of just you know they really really were into you and you know kind of like you said about you know whether you'd be a good fit and um you know whenever what coaches are looking for and I mean it I mean they kind of do their research like you said and it didn't really matter that you didn't you know 
shoot the scores you wanted to shoot. But I mean, you ultimately got there. Um, but I mean, just kind of talk about that transition a little bit to going from the junior tournaments and playing high school golf to the program that UCLA is and the, you know, the rich history they have with, you know, both the women's and men's program there. Well, I think for me, it was, and I'm sure every freshman going into college feels this way, but it was uh -huh. re-racking, right? I mean, yeah. it's, um, I mean, the one thing I had going for me was that I was only a two and a half hour drive from home. So, right. I mean, I wasn't super far away, but at the same time, it's like a whole different beast to deal right. with. And I think especially coming into UCLA, I had just won a national ship a couple of years before I got there. They were you know, projected to be number one or number two in the yeah. nation. And, and so the recruiting class I was coming in in with was just amazing. My my friend Jane Park was one of the freshmen. Ryan O'Toole was the other freshman and oh, I was wow. the third. So I think coming in with those, I mean, all three of us ended up playing on the LPGA. Yeah. And then on top there players that were already of such a caliber. Um, Hannah John was that I grew up with in San Diego and she also went on to the LPGA like I look at that team now and I mean everyone was and you know, like you know fast forward a couple of years Brianna Doe came on right yeah so I mean it was just such a deep team like every qualifying round was nerve-wracking oh I bet I bet it was serious stuff you never felt safe no matter how good you were playing and <laughs> As, as nerving as it was, it was also kind of like a really great environment to get better in because Absolutely. it was so, it really is very nerve wracking. It's Absolutely. Like <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And it, well, like you said, though, I mean, it, it, you know, it's going to make you a better player and, you know, it's, it's crazy to see, you know, that many people come through the team and then go on to play on the LPG tour like that. I mean, it's just really, like you said, it really shows the kind of depth that the team had. Um, and I'm sure qualifying was probably mo more nervous in the qualifiers than you probably were in the tournaments every now and then just to try and get on that travel team. And I'm sure you wanted to be on every week on the travel team. So it's, that's pretty nerve wracking stuff, <laughs> but I mean, you had a great career, you know, college career there. You were, you know, first, you were the very first four time all American in women's golf history at UCLA, um, won the 2007 PAC 10 championship and was the PAC 10 or PAC 10 player of the year. Um, NCAA championship runner up in 2008. Um, I mean, you won the U S women's amateur public link championship in 2006 and 2008. And you remember of the, you know, 2008 U S Curtis cup. Um, I mean, just all the stuff outside of college golf is just amazing stuff. Um, you know, that it's just pretty crazy to kind of hear about the college career and then stuff that you do on the side too, as well, individually wise. I mean, that's just really shows that, I mean, whether you're playing for your team or for yourself, your game's traveling. Um, just kind of talk about, you know, that that tournament a little bit or the team that you made onto the Curtis Cup. Um, you know, that that's amazing stuff to be on a Curtis Cup like that. It's probably one of the best things an amateur golfer can do. Um, just kind of talk about that week a little bit. And what was it like playing on the Curtis Cup team? Um, first of all, wow, you did a lot of research. <laughs> I sure did. Yeah, I have to. <laughs> <laughs> and um second of all yeah i i would say i mean playing on that u.s cup especially playing at st andrews is definitely right. mm -hmm. such a highlight and i just remember um and i don't know this is kind of a running theme in my golf career but i uh -huh. i ended up whether it was at ucla or qualifying for tournaments 
my Curtis Cup team, I, I think there was a part of me that just felt just felt real lucky to be there, right? Okay, <laughs> yeah. Okay. And yeah. I felt really starstruck. And and I look at that team, you know, Stacey Lewis is on that team. And, oh, yeah. and I think the biggest lesson I walked away that week with, walked away from that week with was that like they're all human, right? I mean, right. I think even Stacey Lewis, the first match, she was so nervous and she cold topped her first tee shot in her first match. And then, you know, oh, the wow. first one at St. Andrews is that, you know, iconic burn going right yep. in front mm-hmm. of the first screen. Yeah. So she cold topped her drive. And then I saw her hit three wood and it one hopped over the burn and she ended up two punting for part. That was oh, wow. the first the first hole of that, that Curtis cup. And, um, you know, that's what I walked away with that. Like as nervous as I am, everyone else is super nervous. Too. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think, um, the cool thing about St. Andrews is, so I'm admittedly not much of a golf course nerd. I don't remember holes very much. And I'm right. not uh-huh. someone that, really, I mean, I love watching the masters, but I'm mm-hmm. probably the one LPGA tour player that hasn't utilized the free passes. To go watch <laughs> Um, gotcha. Andrews, regardless of whether or not you're a golf nerd, it's a really special place, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I remember when we first got there, Carol Simple Tom was our captain, and she said, All right, girls, we have the entire golf course to us, to ourselves for the week. That being said, you guys have a lot of golf to play. You guys have a lot of matches to play with a lot of pressure on you. So don't tire <laughs> yourselves out in the practice round. But also you're at St. Andrews and you're splitting the golf course with like just, you know, 18 other girls or whatever. And so, right. I mean, we were 36 whole practice rounds just every day. Grinding. Like we were all out there just grinding, you know, we were like, you know, we're going to hit, you know, shots off of the, the wall. We're going to hit multiple drives over the hotel. And yeah. Um, I think um, going back, we we did not heed her words very carefully, but I mean, it still <laughs> ended up working out okay. So I guess we're just super lucky. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you ladies still came out on top that week. Um, I mean, like you said, to be at St. Andrews, kind of have it all to you know yourself with you know the both both teams there. Um, but I mean, that's probably a moment that you'll never forget. You know, is to I mean, there's not many opportunities where you're going to have the whole St. Andrews golf course to yourself like that. Um, and, and to play on the Curtis cup at St. Andrews, you know, that's the, you know, the home of golf people. A lot of people call it. And I mean, it's just, that's gotta be one of the best things that, you know, a lady amateur could do ever. Um, and like you said, I mean, Stacy Lewis is on that team and it's really interesting to kind of hear those stories that, I mean, you can't really research, you know, Stacy Lewis topping it off the first hole like that. I mean, that's just kind of something you can only hear from experiences. Um, I'll, so. I'll never forget because, you know, I was so nervous and then that happened and I was like, well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I guess at least as long as I get first tee shot airborne, like, I'll yeah. Be okay. yeah, you're ahead of her there. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but um, yeah, that's that's amazing stuff, and especially to come out and win like that. I mean, kind of just talk about what that winning feeling meant, you know, to represent your country and um, you know, to be out there for the you know for the U.S. and just come out on top like that. I mean, I bet that winning feeling had to be pretty good, huh? Yeah, I mean, it was awesome, and you know, um, uh, Amanda Blumenhurst, who now does a lot of commentating for the Golf Channel, she mm-hmm. was kind of like my go partner so we played like alternate shot together and we played all of our practice rounds together and it's funny because the other cool thing about St. Andrews is the people there are just they're just mega golf fans it doesn't matter whether you're American or you're like a GBNI gal like mm-hmm. yeah. they will they just appreciate good golf shots 
And um, but that being said, it is still a very competitive environment. And I just remember um, one of the so for some reason, you know, Amanda Blumenhurst and I, we were partners there, but then we were also partners of the spirit. And for some reason, whenever we got paired together in an alternate shot format, even though yeah. our names are completely different, like she hits it really long and straight and I just kind of scrape it around and putt pretty well. But for <laughs> some reason, when we got paired together, we were just unbeatable. And I think when we were playing alternate shot for this cup, I think through 12, 13 holes, we were like six or seven under an alternate shot, which is really oh my hard gosh. to do. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, we were just we were just on a roll and it was funny because I'm someone that, um, I'm very aware of how other people are reacting to me. I'm kind of like a bull pleaser pouring in birdies after birdies. Um, uh, I just noticed like the crowd was, I mean, they weren't rooting against us, but they, they were definitely eerily quiet. I bet. Yeah. I just, we were like five or six up at one point. And I was like, still kind of down. And Amanda looks at me and she goes, dude, what's your deal? And I was like, I just, I just don't know why they don't like us. <laughs> they talk to us that they would like us. And she, yeah. was like, she basically said, I mean, I'm going to say it nicely, but she basically said, get your head out of your butt. Yeah. Yep. Gotcha. And I think we ended up winning like six and five or seven and six. Like we ended up routing the other team, but I, I just like, I'll never forget that after we finished our match, as much as I thought that this crowd was against us, like so many of the crowd came up and were just patting us on the back and saying like, oh, that was such a great putt on like five. All like right. they just really appreciate good golf. And so I think um, that was also just something that was really special about that win. Yeah. Well, and I mean, to play, be playing in front of crowds like that, I mean, that, that's gotta be pretty intense. And I mean, anytime, like you said, anytime you ladies got paired up, I mean, you guys dominated. I mean, like you said, you, I think you guys did end up winning like six and five or five and four or something like that. And I mean, you yourself didn't lose one single point the whole time. I mean, I mean, that's gotta be pretty successful. That's gonna be a good feeling for you there. Um, but I mean, yeah, that, that's just, that's pretty, pretty funny though. Uh, just like, man, I, they don't like us. Like what's going on here, but you're beating, like, up, beating up on them. <laughs> Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, but I mean, that that's, I'm sure that's an experience you, you'll never forget, especially, you know, all the ladies on that team, to, you know, to kind of go on to the LPGA tour and stuff. There's a lot of players that, you know, that went on to play on there as well. And I'm sure there were, you know, you still talk to them every now and then. And when you see them, you know, you kind of remember back to those days playing on the Curtis cup. Um, but I mean, that's just, uh, it's just a lot of respect for that. I mean, that's, I mean, it, I, if you can be on a Curtis cup team, it can show that you, you, you can play some serious golf. That's for sure. But I mean, as your years were kind of coming to an end at college, um, you know, what was your plan for after college? I know, obviously, you know, you did go play on the LPGA tour, but you know, what was the thought process kind of, you know, coming towards the end of college there? Was it, okay, let's hit Q school straight away or kind of what was the plan? What was the path for you there? Yeah. Um, so like I said, a, a common theme in my golf career is like, wow, I'm, I just feel so lucky to be here. <laughs> so, uh -huh. yeah, then, you know, freshman, sophomore, even my junior year, um, like even with some of the success that I was seeing, I, mm -hmm. yeah. I wasn't really looking at professional golf as an option. Gotcha. Um, but that being said, you know, a, so I, I was a communications major. I actually really wanted to go like some kind of sports journalism or, or journalism of some kind. And that's kind of what I was 
thinking of for my post-college career. Mm-hmm. But, you know, after my senior year, I just, I just kind of like, I mean, why not give it a try? And so yeah. it kind of ended up like my professional golf career kind of ended up being one of let's try this year. And then like the next year I thought, oh, let's try another year. And then you fast forward 11 years and you're like, oh my God, I'm still doing this. <laughs> but yeah, I think it was kind of more, it wasn't really like a conscious career path. It was just kind of something I, I somewhat stumbled into. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, and that's a grind. I mean, to go through Q school like that and to continuously, you know, just go out there and go out there and try and qualify. I mean, that's, that can take a toll on a lot of people. And that's great that, I mean, you just kind of kept going and going after your goal. Um, you know, a common theme that I've heard with some professional golfers is, I mean, if you can play good at the right times, I mean, before you know it, you can be playing, you know, with the, with the, you know, the best in the world. Um, but I mean, once you ended up getting to the LPGA tour, I mean, what was it like playing with the best ladies in the world? I mean, I'm sure as a young girl, you, you know, you were inspired, you wanted to be there one day and then here you are, you know, you're out of college, you, you know, you've been through it, you know, grinding, qualifying for it. Um, you know, what did it mean to officially get to the LPGA tour? Well, you know, I think one thing that I was very fortunate for what, uh, with was that a lot of the girls that I competed with in college or mm-hmm. junior golf or on a Curtis cup were all there. And mm-hmm. so it kind of made the transition somewhat easier for me. Um, my best friend was, um, my friend Jane Park and yeah. we were freshmen at UCLA together, but the summer between freshman and sophomore year, she ended up going to the U S open, getting top 10 kind of turning professional that summer. So uh-huh. by the time I got to the tour, she had already been out there for four years. She actually caddied for me at Q school. And so oh, she really awesome. kind of helped me like really get my feet wet. And so that actually made it a lot easier. But I mean, that being said, I think the first time I got paired with Sari Pack, who was literally the reason I even picked up a golf club, gotcha. was pretty nerve wracking. And it happened to be at the Kia Classic, which is the one San Diego. Yeah. Uh Yeah. (laughs) It was was pretty funny because um, I had been playing quite a few practice rounds up at Aviara where the Kia Classic is held and I had gotten in really tight with the starter. And so when the starter was doing the tee times for the tournament, it was so embarrassing. He basically did this whole like spiel of like nice I went to what middle school I went to like who my second grade teacher was like nice. my hobbies and then Sarah Pack steps onto the team who is a hall of famer like multiple uh-huh. major winner like probably like the best one of the best female golfers to ever play and he goes and Sarah Pack that's hilarious gives he gives you the tiger introduction and just okay yeah, yep. exactly. for this girl who's just barely keeping her tour card it was just it was so mortifying but you know at the same time it's like stuff like that is you know now that my career is coming to a close like that's definitely the stuff that I'll remember forever absolutely you know and and that's great that you know you got to play alongside you know the person that basically got you into the game of golf and um you know it's nice that it was in you know San Diego area I mean you've been playing a lot of Aviara um but I mean that's that's hilarious I mean those moments that I mean that's something you're never going to forget for sure um and that's something you can always look back on and um that'd be hilarious if you 
I mean, I'm, I wonder, do you still talk to that starter? Have you ever, have you ever seen that starter after that situation? Oh, I, I see him all the time. So he's actually the best. His name is Bob and he's a starter at Aviera. Oh, okay. Yeah. He, um, he uh, every time I, so he's kind of a, a bit of like a baking aficionado. And so okay. every time he'll be like, I, I brought a cheesecake or he'll be like, I brought some banana bread. And so he i think that's kind of our bond that's why we became so close because i was the girl that came up and just like would eat all the food that he made that's hilarious that's so funny um that that's that would be i that would be something i you'd have to pick out just every time be like yeah you remember that time you announced me off the first tee there that'd just be hilarious (laughs) that's hilarious um but i mean what was it like to play and compete against the best ladies in the world i mean it those LPGA tour events had been so special. Um, you know, also how would you compare those LPGA tour events to, you know, you know, whenever you were going through qualifying and, um, you know, just kind of, you know, what was it like compared just to LPGA tour events? Yeah, I think, um, so I said, all the people were the same, right. You know, the people you played in golf and then college golf, it was just like older and maybe, I don't know, like 10 pounds heavier. (laughs) (laughs) you know, as you go up each level, everyone's the same, but they're just more refined. Right. So maybe it'll be like in junior golf, you met Paula Creamer and she, or like, let's say in junior golf, you met Jane Park and she was like Jane Park 1.0. And then in college, Uh she was Jane Park 2.0. And then you get to the tour and it's like Jane Park 10.0, right? She's just like, everything is just so polished. Like everything that she when she was a junior golfer she's better at and everything that she struggled with she's still really good at now and I Mm -hmm. think that's why the LPGA tour is so competitive because everyone is just kind of just like at the top of their game and not just with their game but just like with how they go about things on the golf course they've Uh already figured out their routine they've figured out you know what their workouts are and they just seem a lot more comfortable at that level Uh I think coming in as a rookie it's well, it's a little scary because you feel like you're still trying to figure out who you are. You feel like you're, you know, Tiff Joe 1.5 still, and <laughs> 8.5. And so you're, and I think, and that's also, I mean, maybe I'm the only one that feels that way, but you know, like I said, I'm always someone that has felt like she needed to catch up. Like I've always had that late bloomer mentality. I got gotcha. And so I think, um, and I think that's actually kind of, what what hurt me at the very beginning um just because so my first year like the way I came onto the tour was um Mm -hmm. kind of unusual my my first year I didn't have full LPJ status Mm -hmm. had full Symmetra tour slash I guess now it's Epson tour status and then I had conditional LPJ status Mm -hmm. but as I got into tournaments I kind of played my way up the reshuffle and then ended up having some really good finishes at like a couple majors. And so I ended up yeah. with full status for the second year, gotcha. but I almost feel like the way it came into it helped me mentally. Right. So mm-hmm. my first year, I never really felt like I was a full member and I was kind of bouncing back between these two tours. And I ended up having a really, really good year. And gotcha. then the second year was my first full year on the LPJ. And I actually really, really struggled. I think I ended up missing all but maybe like three cuts and ended up losing my card at the end of the year and having to go back to Q school. Gotcha. And so, I mean, Dylan, you've played a lot of golf. You, you know, this whole concept of like in golf, more is not necessarily better. Right. Right. So yeah. Uh-huh. I think my first year I 
had that fresh perspective of like, wow, I'm just so happy to be here. And you play with a lot of gratitude heart, you play better. It's just, it's right. just like how your brain works. Mm -hmm. The second year, you know, that entire off season, I just thought like, well, if I did that well with, you know, the work I imagine if I tripled that and, you know, golf isn't really linear like that. Right. So, yeah. Uh, but luckily after that second year, I was able to kind of like regroup out like, you know, the Tiff Joe method and um, mm -hmm. work for me. And, um, and like, after that, I, I never ended up going back to Q school again. So there you go. I mean, the, and it's crazy to think, I mean, I just, I've had a lot of, you know, a lot of people come on and they think that, you know, they almost have to play like perfect golf. And that's, I feel like that maybe kind of was something that maybe you felt a little bit too, um, you know, like, kind of like you said, you know, more is, you know, sometimes not good. Um, and just kind of just, like you said, just really being thankful that you're there and just maybe the expectation level isn't quite as high or you feel like you don't have to put so much pressure on yourself. Um, you know, that that's, that's huge. And looked at and looked how it worked out. Like you said, I mean, you, you know, you're able to play a lot better your second year there. Um, and I mean, it's just pretty spectacular to kind of go through all that. And you've kind of been through the ringer going through, like you said, it probably made you, you know, mentally stronger and, and a better player. And then once you kind of got to that point where it was like, you know, I'll just be happy to be here and just really soak it all in. Um, it seemed, I mean, I, I wish I would have done that earlier on in my career too, just to during, during, you know, college golf and junior golf, even, um, you know, I just feel like just got so caught up in that every now and then, but yeah, I think that's a great mentality to have for anybody that's playing golf, anybody out there. We're going to take a quick break to get a word in from our sponsors. Scrambling with Dolan Auto is sponsored by our friends over at Putt View Books. Putt View Books makes yardage and green books that are used by the best junior, college, amateur, and professional golfers in the world and are designed with the assistance of world-renowned golf coach Phil Kenyon and can be made for over 30,000 golf courses. The amount of precision that's put into each yardage and green book is impeccable and Cordy from Golf Science Lab says they're clear, simple, and very useful. If you want a yardage or green book, head over to their website at puttviewbooks.com and check them out on Instagram at puttviewbooks. And really, honestly, like not even golf, just like anything in golf, like it's possible to like almost to to try too hard, right? That's right. like a very real yes. problem. And I mean, even with some of the kids these days that I'm coaching, I'm like, man, you, you don't have to be at the golf course all day. Like just do the bare minimum, right. you know? You know, I want you guys to like, like at this point in time, leave and go do something else fun, like have uh -huh. a life. This experience is more than just about the golf right 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 yeah i mean there's so much more that especially in college i mean there's so much more out there i mean yeah you know you want to grind and you know play as good as you can but i mean there's a lot more that goes to you know going to college and um you know the experiences that they can be going through and i mean even if you just do like you said do the bare minimum but practice efficiently i mean you could i mean you can become a better player than somebody that just goes out there and effort effortlessly just bangs balls so i mean that's it's, it's i bet it's interesting for like you to see it kind of full circle a little bit too with coaching yeah absolutely and i think um so that that off season between my the year that i lost my tour card and then mm -hmm. the year that i and then you know ended up going to q school getting second and getting it back yeah um, so that was actually the off season that I started surfing and gotcha. now in retrospect, I, I look back on it and yes, it was like, 
it was awful to lose my tour card. It was awful to go through all that. And it was really tough. But at the same time, I look back on that and I'm, I'm really grateful because I, I don't think I would have had the impetus to start surfing if I wasn't mentally in a place where I was, I was kind of like yearning for something else to do other than golf, because, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, I, after I lost my tour card that second year, um, I had maybe like a month and a half before I had to start getting ready for Q school. And in mm -hmm. that time, I, I like sensed how burnt out I was. And so I was yeah. trying to figure out how I could like leave my golf clubs and not touch them because I knew that if I was at home and I did like a staycation, I would mm -hmm. still be tempted to go out and play and practice. And right. so I ended up just flying to Nagua and doing this, you know, find yourself surf yoga. All, all right. And all that's right. literally how I started. I mean, going to San Diego, I'd probably been my entire life. I'd probably been to the beach a total of like two or three times. And <laughs> gotcha. that's actually where I learned how to surf was down in Nicaragua. And I, I came back, I bought a board my first day back home. And then I started, instead of getting ready for Q school, I ended up just surfing every morning. And then maybe a week before Q school started trying to get everything in order and go play. And I still ended up playing really well. And that's kind of when I realized like, man, I, especially I think once you turn pro, it's because you don't have all this other, all these like school commitments and team right. commitments to kind of really focus your practice and force you to have short, like, but very efficient practice sessions. Mm -hmm. You almost have to find something else to kind of restrict your time right. because you know, I don't think it's very productive for, um, unless you're someone that can hyper-focus to just be at the golf course all day. I don't think that really works well for anyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, in it, I mean, that can be kind of a drag sometimes if you're not fully into it, kind of like you're saying, if you can get hyper-focused on it, um, because I mean, I've heard from a few people too, that if you're, if your heart's not in it hundred percent, then you're just going to get burnt out pretty easily. Um, but that's great to, like you said, to kind of find it, you know, almost like an outlet for golf, you know, you can kind of go do something, get your mind off it and keep you sane a little bit. Um, you know, it can be a lot sometimes, but that's great though. And you, I always see you post on Instagram, you know, you're always out there, um, you know, paddling out there when you're not coaching and stuff. I mean, it's awesome to see out there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I actually ran into college coach at, um, I think when I took the boys to the tournament in Valencia. And oh yeah. She was saying, man, if she started surfing in college, you would have so much less of like a nervous <laughs> ball of energy. That's funny. Wow. That's pretty funny. <laughs> well, hey, I mean, you're, you're doing it now. That's all that matters. <laughs> you found the love for it um, eventually. But I mean, you, your years on the LPGA Tour, I mean, you earned, you know, the Heather Farr Player Award in 2017. Um, you earned nearly $1.5 million in earnings over your years on tour, and you had six top 10 finishes. Um, you know, that, that's, that's a pretty good career there on the LPGA Tour. I know, you know, there's probably a lot more out there that you felt you could have had. But I mean, to have the experiences you, you know, you have and went through on tour and the friends that you've made, I'm sure it was all worth it in the end. Um, and I mean, the kind of, like you said to see, I bet it was interesting to see not only the people you play college with to go on to the PGA tour, but just the phases you all went through junior golf and then college golf and then professional golf. And then kind of, you know, where all, all you ladies are at now, um, you know, that's, that's gotta be pretty amazing. Um, pretty amazing stuff. Um, but I mean, what are some of the coolest things if you could think back on, you know, playing weekend week out, you know, on the PGA tour and, you know, just traveling around the world, you know, what were some of the, you know, coolest things you had access to being on the LPGA tour? Um, well, so it's interesting. I was 
I was listening to your your episode with Brianna Dow and yeah. you know she's she's definitely like a foodie like she loves finding really yeah. good food spots and coffee spots and yeah. I wasn't like that but once I started really getting into surfing I just looked for any right so gotcha like in Portland I drove to the Oregon coast like obviously surf every day in Hawaii and yeah you know, New Jersey same thing I think like one of my coolest stories is when we had actually just played the U.S. Open at Black Wolf Run and okay. I was driving north to go to the event. I was kind of just driving past like through Sheboygan and I remember like hearing from someone that you could the Great Lakes but that especially in the summer it was super rare there had to be like a storm and like all these things had to intersect and and work perfect and but mm -hmm. i remember i was driving through the town of sheboygan and i could tell a storm had just hit but like there was no wind which usually means prime surface yeah. conditions like there's yeah. energy out in the lake to create some swell but the wind isn't messing up the waves and uh -huh. so i mean it was 7 p.m on a sunday night and i was like i'm just gonna check it out and so i pulled over and enough there's like there's small but very surfable waves there's yeah. a few longboarders out in the water but also it was 7 p.m on a sunday night so there were no surf shops open so yeah. i ended up just kind of walking around and scoping it out and i saw this guy and he had just gotten out of the water and he was eating a sandwich to his car but huh? i saw that next Board was like an extra soft top and so i was i i swear i'm not weirdo and i've never done this but um, all the surf shops are closed i'm visiting i really want to surf i have dollars like can i give you twenty dollars to borrow your board for an hour <laughs> he just did me mid bite and was like oh my goodness keep your money take the board have fun and i ended up paddling out in like a t-shirt and yoga nice pants. nice and i was up there and this australian guy paddled up to me and was like well you're clearly not around from around here because you don't have a wetsuit <laughs> on and you're that camera water. and i ended up talking to him and it was such a crazy like surfing and just like golf it's like a very big world but it's also tiny at the same uh -huh. time and oh yeah and so i was like no i'm not from here but you know i was driving from this golf tournament at black wolf over up to green bay and right away he goes oh you play on the lpga and i was like i have never met in a male and that just knows the lpga schedule up the yeah his head. Uh -huh, and yeah. so we started talking to him and he used to be the superintendent at black wolf run he used oh, to nice. work at this golf course called Kingston Heath in Australia, which I, I played the Australian Open there like five years before that. Gotcha. And so we ended up talking, as we got out of the water, he said like, hey, look me up on Facebook. And the next time this area, shoot me a message and I will be some proper surf equipment. And so we kind of ways, but what's funny is a, a, like two weeks ago, I was surfing Oceanside Harbor and I ran uh -huh. into him in the parking lot. Oh, no and it way. Was just like, I didn't know where he came up and you know it was post-COVID so like both of yeah. us are like 15 pounds heavier and he's like <laughs> full but, but I knew exactly who he was and he had just happened to be in San Diego for his vacation and I just it was just so crazy and like I think that's like kind of classic Tiff Joe like traveling and just meeting the raddest human beings so yeah um it was like it, it was a lot of stories like that you know and uh -huh. I think I, I think as I walk away from my career, like those are the things I remember. I don't even remember any of the golf courses. <laughs> <laughs> you just remember paddling out there, you know, that's it. <laughs> but that's that's crazy though. I mean, what like you kind of said, you know, the surf and you know, golf world, it's so big, but yeah, it's so small. I mean, what are the chances that you see him, you know, in that moment? And that that's just that's so crazy. That's so funny. Um yeah.
especially I think growing up in San Diego and being a part of like the golf local golf community here, it's like yeah. it's like the six degrees of Kevin, right? Like mm-hmm. if you meet someone golf industry, if you know them, then you probably know someone who knows someone who's them. And I can't tell you how many times I've been like standing in like Jersey Mike's and like I'm wearing a hat and some guy's wearing a Titleist hat and we kind of like nod to each other like I see you. you I know? see. Yep. I see it. I see it. Absolutely. You know, I was, you know, I just was talking to some other, some guy the other day and, um, you know, I happened to notice he had like spikeless foot joy shoes on and I'm like, oh yeah, you play golf. I got you. I got you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. That's so funny. Um, but I mean, kind of like you were saying though, and kind of as your LP tour career was kind of coming to an end, you know, you played your last event this last year in November, um, just kind of take us through that week a little bit, you know, what were the emotions like for you in that week? And just, I'm sure there were so many people coming up to you and just kind of, you know, thanking you for everything. Um, but just kind of talk about that week a little bit. Like back in maybe like July or whatever. So I had actually said that the Ohio event was going to be my last event thinking, okay, okay like, yeah, I mean, I'm not really going to have time to play anymore. And then, um, so that was kind of my last tournament. And then, you know, I didn't realize that, you know, because of NCAA compliance stuff, after the teams both play their last event of fall, you really can't have them practice very much. There's like a mm-hmm. number of hours and it's very yeah. restricted. And yeah, there wasn't really much to do for like a couple of weeks in November. Mm-hmm. I looked at the schedule and I thought like, oh, well, I could make this work. I'll just, I'll just play this LPG. So it was kind of almost like, you know, when, when you say all your goodbyes to your family before you get on your flight and then you get uh-huh. like a flight delay notification and that's kind of <laughs> awkward. So uh-huh. It was kind of like that where I, I showed up in Florida and everyone was kind of great to see you, but I thought you were done. <laughs> <laughs> but it was really, really fun to go out there again. And I mean, I was tremendously rusty. I had not practiced very much. Uh-huh. But it was honestly fun because I think the Ohio event, I just got on the job. And so I um, kind of left in a hurry. So I didn't really get to properly say goodbye to everyone. But gotcha. it was kind of nice to go out there and actually get to like say bye to everyone. And, you know, it was it was very bittersweet because I think probably one of the reasons I even stayed out there for so long was because of the people. I, mm-hmm. I really love the people oh, yeah. that were out there. Yeah. So I think it was very bittersweet time it it really kind of like confirmed my decision um I mean as much as long as my career was I the more I like look back the the less I feel like I was ever really meant to be a professional golfer and the more I feel like that was just prepping for this role mm-hmm. um and you know also like Leona McGuire just won and I played my practice round with her at that Florida event and I uh-huh. remember just thinking like wow she's she's so much better than I am. Like, <laughs> there's no way I could compete with this. So, I mean, there, it kind of confirmed my decision in a lot of ways. <laughs> I see. I see. Yeah. And it's crazy how young, you know, players are nowadays that are going out there and winning, but I mean, it, you know, everything happens for a reason. And, you know, you're, you are at where you are because I mean, that's just where you're supposed to be. But I mean, I'm sure, you know, that's kind of, you know, a funny last kind of, you know, goodbyes for everybody. And then here you are back again, like you said, they're like, I thought you were hey guys. <laughs> you can't get enough of us, <laughs> but um, uh, that, that's pretty special. I mean, I'm sure, you know, yeah, I mean, you might've been a little rusty, but who cares? I mean, you just wanted to go out there and kind of just give it a last hoorah. 
Um, and I was watching an interview actually of you and, you know, you had already accepted the job, you know, and you had been doing it for, you know, you know, a little bit, you know, like you said, it was kind of limited with what you could do with the team, but I mean, in your interview, you're saying, you know, yeah, you're a little rusty. You've been working and you've been working a real job the last couple of months, but, um, you know, now, you know, that's, this is exactly what you do. You know, you are a CSU, you know, San Marcos coach. Um, you know, how has that been going? I know we talked a little bit about it at the beginning, but, um, you know, what are some things that you really like about coaching that, you know, that maybe you didn't really see as a player? Um, yeah, so I, I mean, I, I love coaching. I feel really comfortable in this role. Yeah. And I think I remember when I first took the job, I reached out to a couple of my friends that had also trained from playing professionally to coaching. And, mm-hmm. and I asked them if they had any advice. And one of them, I remember told me, I think the hardest thing for me to do was to transition from this, this role of having it all be about me to mm-hmm. have it, having it be about others. Yeah. And I mean, to be completely honest, like, that's been the best part. <laughs> like, I think, uh-huh. as, and that's, I think that's why I wasn't really wired to be a professional golfer. I wasn't someone that enjoyed having a whole team around me. Like, I didn't mm-hmm. really enjoy that aspect of it. And actually like my rookie year, my first tournament, like I didn't even really like, you know, usually you play your practice round or your tournament round and you might practice or hit some balls for a couple hours afterwards. And I honestly didn't even enjoy having my caddy standing there waiting and like watching me hit balls. And so my friends always tease me because I used to like do the fake out where I would pretend to leave so that they would leave. And then I would grab my bag and come back (laughs) and practice. Oh, wow. Yeah. But but as my hated, like, being that person I really love being like player support for someone else so of course as much as I didn't enjoy being the person that you know was having someone watching them hit balls like I actually really love watching the kids practice and Mm -hmm. helping them like develop better practice habits and um trying to help them stay more engaged in their practice yeah and so I I think that's actually one of my favorite parts about it is being able to like support someone else in their golf journey. And I think um, like one part that I read about golf is kind of like the puzzle of it, like mm-hmm. figure things out and help troubleshoot. And, and I love doing that for others. So I think that's kind of been the coolest part of the job is kind of just getting to be a part of someone else's golf journey. Yeah. I mean, that's, and it's a lot easier to, uh, you know, to, to be a coach and kind of stand to the side, not feel the pressure of hitting shots anymore. Um, that's kind of how I felt like, um, you know, just not playing college golf anymore. It's like not feeling that pressure, but, um, you know, that's, you know, it's a whole new, I'm sure you kind of found a new love for the game as well. Um, you know, just kind of being a part of somebody else's journey. And I mean, I'm sure that's, I mean, like you said, I mean, that was a great example that, you know, whenever you were playing college and professional, I mean, it is kind of, you know, it's, it's about you and you got to do this because I mean, this is what you want to do, but now that you know, you're kind of stepping out of the limelight and, you know, you're helping other people. I think it's just kind of, it's so special to be able to do that. I think it's just really cool that, you know, you're, you're able to coach now. And it's great that you got some advice from your other friends too, that had kind of stepped into coaching as well too, to get a little glimpse if, if you say um, just to maybe any advice to, you know, make sure that, you know, I mean, you're doing your job great, I'm sure, but you know, you just you always want to start off well, and um, you know, I'm sure, yeah. sure you are. You know, I've I've always been that person that like, like over researches for like small purchases. Oh yeah, <laughs> I gotcha. Oh yeah, 
I mean, yeah, I was, you know, before I took the job, I was just reaching out to every single person I knew in, <laughs> in college golf and asking for help and advice. And I mean, even before I came onto the team, I, I made sure I listened to the episode where you interviewed Matt Moss. Oh, I was yeah. Like, well, you know, be dealing with this kid for the next year so yeah. I need and so yeah I'm, i've always been someone who like thoroughly does my research before i do anything gotcha yeah it's always nice to kind of you know get familiar with what you're going to be going into i mean that's exactly what i do with every every episode and um so i mean yeah i i totally understand it. and that, hey that's great you know it's great you're able to learn a little bit from the podcast with one of your players um, but yeah, Matthew's a, Matthew's a great dude. And, um, you know, I, I, I know a couple of the other guys on the team too. And, um, you know, that, it's really cool to, you know, kind of get all your insight and here you are now, I'm sure you have great relationships with everybody on the team. And, you know, I, I'm sure they just love having you as an assistant coach there. Um, but I mean, kind of, do you have any goals kind of for coaching at all? I mean, have you kind of put any thought into, you know, maybe eventually becoming a head golf coach, or you just kind of staying in the moment where you're at right now at San Marcos and doing your job there, or kind of what are some goals you have maybe for, you know, just kind of the rest of, you know, being in the game of golf? Yeah. So I've never really been much for like thinking towards the future. I mean, in Mm -hmm. anything that I do, like clearly, I mean, even playing professional golf was just a, let's try it for this year kind of deal. (laughs) Gotcha. Uh, So I'm not really sure. I do feel like uh, this is kind of what I want to be doing. So I'm not sure, like, I do really mm-hmm. like helping people and like helping people improve and play better. Yeah. Uh, like whether that ends up being college golf or like more of like a personal coaching type of thing. I, I honestly have no idea, but, gotcha. but I do know that this is kind of path that I want to take. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I mean, you're so, you're so new to it all and you, I mean, enjoy it. I mean, that's gotta be one of the coolest things to do. I think, playing college golf is one of the best things anybody could ever do. And then to be a college golf coach, I mean, that has just got to be one of the funnest things to do to travel with the team and just be with them day in, day out and just see their progress. Yeah, all their Uncrustables. And- <laughs> yeah. yeah. I remember that's what you were saying at Monterey. You were like, well, I just, I drive around and hand out Uncrustables and yeah, it's going pretty good. I'm like, that sounds pretty awesome. <laughs> Oh man, that's hilarious. But no, I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying it where you know, and that's kind of something that you're really enjoying for the time being. And um, I'm sure anything that you do in the game of golf is going to be really special. Um, but um, we're heading to the next section of the show. I like to call the ham and egg section. Um, just kind of some for fun questions to kind of bounce around a little bit with some different, um, you know, just kind of different talk. And, um, but I mean, like we talked about a little bit, you know, you saw a lot of people that you played junior golf with college golf with, and then you're on LPG tour and stuff. Um, you know, what are some things that, you know, maybe you've been able to learn from playing and that you've applied to coaching? Is there kind of, you know, whenever you went through playing and stuff, was there kind of some things that you thought, okay, maybe, you know, golfers shouldn't do this. And this is something you're applying in your coaching career. You know, ironically, I think the biggest thing I've probably brought to the kids that I coach is, is balance, right? Yeah. You know, I coming from someone who basically made golf their livelihood, mm-hmm. um, I, I feel like it almost says a little bit more than I'm like, this actually isn't that important, right? Gotcha. And, you know, I always, I always tell the kids like, you know, are, you know, I, as much as, yes, I want you to get, play good golf. And, and also I want you to get good grades, but like, first and foremost, I want you to be happy. Right. So like mental health is always going to be number one. And then, and then it's great and graduating and then it's golf. But I think 
coming from someone who made golf their life, maybe that sounds a little bit strange, but I mean, I feel like if anything, I've kind of just seen how up and down the game can be and mm -hmm. how important right. it is to maintain a happy lifestyle, regardless of what golf is giving you. Right. So yeah. I think, uh, ironically, I, I feel that's the biggest thing I bring. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I think that's great that that's something that you're bringing to him because I mean, yeah, you can be all about golf and everything like that, but there's got to be some kind of outlet or something to do to kind of keep you sane and get you off you know, your mind off of golf a little bit because yeah, it's great to, you know, live, sleep, eat, breathe golf. But I mean, at the same time, you got to give yourself a break. Um, but I think that's great that you bring that to the table because I think that's something that, like I kind of talked about a little bit when I was, you know, when I was younger and a lot of people probably felt too, is having to play perfect golf and you got to grind all the time and I got to do this and I got to do that to, you know, to, to get to where I want to be one day. But it's just, sometimes that's not really it. I think, you know, I think that's great that you're able to bring that to them and kind of, you know, and in, in, kind of integrate that in your coaching career. I think that's great stuff. Um, but I mean, next question I have here for you is, um, you know, it's not, not only for lady golfers, but golfers who are looking to turn pro, you know, I have a lot of college, you know, a lot of college athletes on here and a lot of college golfers and, you know, mix in with some professional ones to give their advice, but do you have any advice for people that are looking to kind of make that switch? Is there kind of something that, you know, you can kind of, you know, just let them know that this is going to take some getting used to or. Um, yeah, I, I think, first of all, find a hobby have it not have anything to do with golf like i don't care if it's knitting or mm -hmm. you know knitting like just knitting. something that's completely different from <laughs> golf and then second of all um like don't feel like you need to change everything going from college golf to professional golf right like mm -hmm. yeah. if like a three-hour practice block worked for you in college like do a three-hour practice block as a pro i think mm -hmm. kind of what my big downfall was starting out as a professional was that I thought, okay, I used to practice three hours in college, but now that this is my job, I have to practice for 10 hours a day. Gotcha. And that's not how it works like that. It is possible to make yourself worse by practicing if you're not <laughs> focused and you're not doing it purposefully. So right. I would say whatever worked for you in college, like keep doing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's great. I think because, I mean, like you said, once you kind of get away from the studies and everything, you kind of have so much time on your hands. And I think, like you said, if you practice 10 hours a day and I mean, you and like you kind of said, you can almost get worse sometimes. <laughs> and that's yeah. not what you want when you're trying to play professional golf. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. You kind of stick to your same schedule. Um, but um, what's kind of something that you feel like with your playing career that you'll never forget. I know you kind of talked about, you know, the, you know, going out there paddling out and just kind of going out there, checking out the surf spot a little bit and just kind of those moments when you're traveling, but is there kind of something that, you know, related, you know, to maybe when you were in play playing a tournament or something like a certain shot you hit or something to kind of, you know, a moment that you really will never forget. Um, so honestly, like I said, I don't remember a lot of golf courses or yeah, golf shots. Uh -huh, yeah. And I think like, I mean, even looking back on my college career, I couldn't tell you how long any putt was to win, but, but I could tell you a lot of like the in-between stuff. Like mm -hmm. yeah. I remember when I won um, the Pac-10 championship playoff, I was playing against Anna Norquist. Uh -huh. And yeah. at the time she had won everything. She was just this can't miss kid. And it was a very kind of David and Goliath kind of setup. Um, mm -hmm. But we ended up going into a playoff and I always laugh. 
so when the kids are asking me about like nerves and how to deal with anxiety on the golf course because yes this might be tmi but how nerves manifest in me are like bowel issues okay <laughs> so yeah yeah after, after <laughs> through the playoff i had to pay a little visit into the porta potty and you know when you're in a playoff and it's just the two of you and your coach is walking and everyone's out there watching and walking with you if you're right. in the porta potty for 10 minutes people know what's going on <laughs> like kind they of know what's going on <laughs> but i ended up coming out and and coach comes up and she's like how are you doing is, is everything all right and i was like yeah i'm good i'm good she goes feeling really good paper stuck to your shoe and like <laughs> you know it's it's moments like that that i remember and like i did go on to win on that hole but i don't remember like how I did it. Um, gotcha, and that's yeah. kind of how golf memories work for me. I mm -hmm. remember all these little <laughs> things that happened in the shots, but I honestly couldn't tell you about like any shots. Of I get it. No, I get it. No. And that, that's a great experience right there. That's, I mean, Hey, everybody, you know, everybody deals with, you know, pressure and kind of anxiety on the golf course differently. And, you know, that's, I'm sure a lot of golfers pre, you know, before the round and everything, they pay a couple of bits to the bathroom, you know, that happens, but um, no, it's funny. That was going to be my next question. You know, whenever players, whenever you're coaching and you're actually, you know, in tournament play and everything, you know, what, what are most golfers kind of telling you, Hey, I'm nervous about this, you know, this and that. And then what do you kind of tell them, you know, as before they're going to go and kind of hit their shot? Well, I mean, first of all, nerves are a great thing. I think, mm -hmm. you know, it, it really heightens your experience. And I forget, um, like what it might've been in one of Bob Rotella's books, but he talks about a story that Jack Nicholas told him where he said towards the end of his career, he was saying like, he just didn't feel nervous unless there was like a major on the line anymore and uh -huh. kind of when he decided to stop playing and and i always tell the kids like the second that you stop feeling nerves is like when maybe it's not important to you anymore and maybe oh, you should find okay. something else to do so yeah. i mean i think nerves are something that you should really kind of relish as a mm -hmm. player yeah um that being said like if nerves are manifesting in a really in a way that's hurtful to your game. I think it's just important to know what your tendencies are, right? So mm -hmm. for me, when I'm nervous, I just I just start moving a lot faster. I talk faster, I talk faster. And so my caddy knows this. So he will either start walking a lot slower or he'll give me something to eat. Or mm -hmm. like he yeah. we have all these kind of like fail-safe measures in place for for when I get nervous. And and mm -hmm. that's the same with the kids. Like everyone kind of I mean, some people slow down more when they're they're nervous, right? So I think it's more about knowing your tendencies um, rather than trying to escape nerves altogether. Because I think nerves are a thing. It's why people like rise to the occasion in competition, right? Um, right, it's, right. It's kind of like the the best thing about competition is nerves. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's only going to make you a better player. Um, you know, but I just, I think it's just so interesting to kind of hear, you know, the tendency, even like you, like you said, with your tendencies and it's great that your caddy knew kind of what to do to kind of get you out of that, you know, out of, out of your rotation of, you know, you know, walking faster or doing whatever it is. Um, you know, that, that's pretty interesting stuff. Um, and I'm sure it's kind of, you know, interesting to see, you know, your tendencies whenever you were a player to now you're seeing all, you know, these kids kind of coming through and, you're like, okay, you know, I know exactly what they feel or, you know, you know what to do kind of to get them to feel better. Um, but I think that's great. Though. Like you said, if you, if you're not feeling nerves, then you're not taking it as serious and maybe go find something else to do. <laughs> but, um, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I, that's great stuff. I mean, learn to roll with the pressure. It'll make you a better player. But For um, sure. And I mean, I mean, if like if knitting makes you nervous, like maybe that's what you should be doing. Maybe that's what you should be doing is knitting, you know, just don't be knitting a golf sweater or something. Don't make it about golf. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, but I mean, obviously, you know, we've talked, you know, about the you know, the stuff and um with LPG touring, you know, playing golf on there. Um, and I'm sure you've made a lot of good friends and stuff. But I mean, is there, you kind of have a friend group that you still kind of talk to that you played with on the LPGA tour a little bit, or kind of, you know, who are some of your friends that you really stuck with through the LPGA tour? Yeah. So, um, the LPGA, because, you know, the purses aren't as big as the PGA tour. And so mm-hmm. you end up kind of like banding together and renting houses together. And yeah. so, um, our kind of core group was, uh, myself, um, my best friend, Jane Park, who I went to mm-hmm. UCLA with. Yeah. Uh, my friend Maroon Alex, who was actually putting together a really good tournament uh, this week at the Drive-On Championship. Um, yeah. And then Maria Ho-Uribe, who was another teammate of mine from UCLA, and um, Jody Ewart was kind of our fifth. So pretty much whenever we um, would travel and we would rent a house, we would kind of all stay together and we would alternate making dips every week, depending on like what time your tea time was and everything. And gotcha. I, ironically, they never wanted me to make dinner because they didn't want cereal. For dinner. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, I, th- I think it is really important to have like a really strong core group because yes, you are playing against each other, but at the end of the day, everyone wants success for their friends. Right. So yeah, it was, and you know, Jane is one of my best friends since we were even in junior golf. And even when it came to like, swing issues or putting issues she was the first person I went to and so um, it's actually really great to have you know kind of a support staff even or like a support team even like within your own players Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and I think that's that's so cool that you're able to kind of travel all together and I mean you know unfortunately it's so so ridiculous that you know the purses aren't the same you know I'm it's mind blowing me, but the fact that you're able to travel around and get so close to, you know, a group of, you know, ladies and going weekend week out like that. I think that is so cool. I think that would be experiences that everybody should go through. And I know that's great that, you know, a couple more of your, your UCLA teammates as well. Um, but that's great that, you know, I'm sure you still talk to a lot of those ladies nowadays and but it's just interesting to see where you're all at. Um, you know, that's really, really cool stuff. Um, but we're heading to the last question here. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that kind of have been a part of your golf career and um, have supported you along the way, but, you know, and you know, we kind of talked about the people that really inspired you, but is there kind of somebody that you can pick out today that has really inspired you to be the person slash golfer you are today? Um, you know, definitely. I mean, obviously like my parents and, mm-hmm. yeah. um, the, and like, not because they were, <laughs> awesome golf parents or anything, but kind of the opposite where they just kind of let me do my own thing and they're very hands-off and, um, they didn't get too involved in my golf. And if anything, they were kind of more like preoccupied with like, if I was a good student or if I was, you know, like a good human being. And and I think that was just really helpful. Like it, I think it helped me fall in love, have like a personal relationship with golf instead of playing it for any other motivation than that. Mm -hmm. But, um, honestly also um coach carrie forsyth at ucla she was my oh, yeah. coach there still coaching there and mm-hmm. i mean she was honestly one of the big reasons why i wanted to go into coaching because um being coached by her made me realize like how important a good coach 
can be to your college experience. And mm -hmm. I had an amazing college experience. I grew so much as a person and um, she just taught me a lot about like, about being a good human. And so yeah. um, she's definitely someone that I think for my career, the last 10 years, and even now that she's just had a really kind of like in indelible kind of imprint on me. Yeah, that's amazing. And I'm sure, you know, it's great to have people like that to where, you know, I'm sure every now and then you guys talk still and um, to have, you know, the parents not only, you know, be there to support you with golf, but I mean, just to make sure that, you know, you were, you were, you were a good human being. I mean, that's super important stuff too, because you can't just go by in life, just focus on golf. And that's all you know is golf. I mean, you got to be able to, you know, communicate with people and, you know, have, you know, feelings and stuff like that. Um, you know, but I think, you know, everybody that's been a part of your journey has done, you know, an amazing job, you know, with you and you've done an amazing job just with everything that you've kind of touched. It seems like, so, um, yeah, you know, I just, you know, it's really, really exciting stuff for you and, um, you know, really excited to see kind of how you continue with the, you know, coaching and everything. Um, but yeah, that'll wrap up this week's episode of scrambling with Donato featuring Tiffany, Joe, Tiffany, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate everything. And, you know, we'll throw you up on Instagram whenever we see you out there with the, with the team and doing special stuff. Thanks so much. This, this was awesome. This is a blast. Awesome. Have a good one, everybody. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode of Scrambling with Dylan Otto. Just want to let you guys know I create an Instagram for the podcast called Scrambling Podcast. You can head over there, follow for updates on the episodes, as well as material that I'll be talking about in the episodes, like videos or photos. So you can check them out there and get a little more insight on the episodes. Thanks again for listening and have a good one. Bye.